podcast doors, Hal. It's Kubrick's Universe, the Stanley Kubrick Podcast. Hi there, and thanks for joining us at Kubrick's Universe on this, the 20th anniversary of the passing of Stanley Kubrick. In this episode, we will hear from friends, colleagues, and fans of the late great director as we hope to celebrate the life and art Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick was born on the 26th of July, 1928, and he died at only age 70 on the 7th of March, 1999. From ABC, this is World News Tonight, Sunday. Good evening, I'm Kevin Newman in for Carol Simpson, and we begin tonight with the passing of one of the century's most provocative filmmakers. Stanley Kubrick's movies were usually profound, often masterpieces, and challenging, if not a little puzzling at first. He died today at the age of 70 at his home in England and left a legacy of startling images. 2001 A Space Odyssey and A Clockwork Orange has died at the age of 70 at his home in Hertfordshire. Stanley Kubrick was widely regarded as one of the greatest and most controversial masters of cinema. On World News Tonight this Sunday, one of the world's greatest filmmakers has died. The director Stanley Kubrick, one of film's greatest yet most controversial figures, died today. Legendary film director Stanley Kubrick, he died at his home in England at the age of 70. His death comes at a time when he was working on his first movie in 12 years. Even still, Kubrick leaves behind a legacy of classic films. The most nicotine perfectionist you could possibly imagine. Fortunately, the films were very good, so uh, you could say that despite his eccentricity, despite his reclusiveness, and despite the fact that he never gave interviews and uh, kept himself in total secrecy, he was a great filmmaker, and thank God for that. Hollywood learned of Kubrick's death Sunday afternoon, as many of his admirers were gathering for the Screen Actors Guild Awards. I can't think of a film that Kubrick did that he didn't hit it out of the park. The 70-year-old New York-born director died of natural causes at his home near London. Little else is known about Kubrick's passing, but then again, secrecy is the way he lived. Stanley Kubrick has died at the age of 70. In a career spanning almost 50 years, Stanley Kubrick directed a range of earlier directors. Stanley Kubrick has died. He was considered one of the most influential filmmakers. Stanley Kubrick was quite simply the only great genius working in movies today, the only genius working in movies today. He was outstanding. He was an original, both as a human being and as a director. Family says he died in his rural home in England. Kubrick was 70 years old. Challenging, if not a little puzzling at first. He died today at the age of 70 at his home in England and left a legacy of startling images. Actor Tony Curtis was a co-star. Brilliant film director because he brought his own new rules to it. He was like Spielberg in those days. Tonight, Cruz and Kidman released a statement saying they are shocked and devastated by Kubrick's death. Their film, Eyes Wide Shut, had been set to open in July. Meantime, the director's family did not release any information about how the film great died. A Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, and of course, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Kubrick was born in the Big Apple. He died at his home near London. He was 70 years old. Stanley Kubrick was found dead at his home in England overnight. He was 70 years old. His films entertained and sometimes confused audiences, but he directed many classes. Tradition of the kind of filmmaker who goes his own way, who fights for his independence, who explores ideas, and sort of finds his own meaning in them. He's not one of these focus group people, not one of these poll people, not one of these people that endlessly recycles old approaches from previous films. He was pronounced dead at his home near London on Sunday. However, there is no word on the cause of death. Stanley Kubrick Police in England say that there were no suspicious circumstances surrounding Kubrick's death. And today he died at his home outside of London. Tonight we look back on the life of Stanley, Stanley Kubrick, Kubrick was 70 years old. He is survived by his third wife and their three daughters. Trying to release any details about his death, the director leaves behind a wife and three daughters. And now let's talk about his Mickey Mouse, 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 Mickey Mouse,
My thoughts drift back to erect nipple wet dreams about Mary Jane Rottencrotch and the great homecoming fuck fantasy. I am so happy that I am alive in one piece and short. I'm in a world of shit. Yes, but I am alive. And I am not afraid. We spoke with film teacher and eminent Kubrick biographer Vincent Labruto about his memories of Stanley's passing. You are on several clips from local New York TV as well as national television around the same time that uh, Eyes Wide Shut and more so Kubrick's passing. And you seem to be kind of like the go-to guy, you know, the American Alexander Walker, so to speak. Yeah. You know, and you were were that guy for quite a while there. How How did you feel about that at the time? Well, it was amazing. I mean, you you know, the publicity department for uh, both versions of the book, the hardcover and paperback, um, unlike all the other books I've done, you know, they have, I mean, they get you on TV. Mm-hmm. And um, once I got on Entertainment Tonight, they really took a liking to me. I was on many, many times. And including, I actually have, I get the last word on Kubrick's passing. Let him open, you know, mm-hmm. uh, was there, you know, the two of us were, you know, they added it, the two of us were, were talking. And I'm sure that he had to clear it because the guy is a, a major film historian. And I got mm-hmm. the last word. So it was amazing. I mean, I, and one show would hear about that I was on another show, and uh, it, uh, it was incredible. If I could tell, you know, a, a story about this, about Kubrick's passing, I don't think we could really have this interview without talking about Kubrick's passing is that I was at a pizza place about half a mile from here. Mm-hmm. And I used to go for lunch all the time. It was it was um, a weekday, weekend, and I believe. And Harriet gets a phone call. Is Vince Labrillo there? I'm his wife, you know. Uh, and the gentleman says that Kubrick had died. So she calls the pizza place, but I had already left. She goes outside, and she's standing there waiting for me. I mean, it was a short ride, but still, she's standing there. I'm walking up, and I see her face, and I'm saying, everybody in my family must have died. I mean, I can't describe the look on her face. She said, Vinny, Stanley Kubrick has died. Yeah, my voice sounded great. And um, I started to cry like a baby. But Mm -hmm. I knew I had to get myself together because the phone started to ring. And one of the rings, and thank you for sending this to me, because I had forgotten about it, not forgotten about it, but I hadn't seen it, I don't think, was the um, New York One channel. Right. And um, they interviewed me, and that was on, they ran it over and over again. And when Monday, when I went into school to see my students, one one of the teachers had put up the New York Times Kubrick obituary on the wall. I looked at that, I couldn't believe it. And then... The kids said, you know, Vinny, we all know about Kubrick's passing because we heard it from you. I said, me? I said, mm. yeah, we were watching <laughs> New York One all day. Wow. We used to watch New York One. Mm-hmm. All day long, people were coming up like I was Kubrick's brother or something. You know? Right, right. Hugging me. And, you know, it's, it's got to be tough for you. I said, it is tough. But, you know, all day long, it was like a procession. The whole school, the last thing I heard... As I was leaving, one of the boys walked up to me. He said, "The whole school is crying, film school, you know." But um, yeah, yeah. So that's, Man, uh, well, that's. I mean, you more than answered that question. From I mean, you answered that from the heart and the gut. Thank you. Thank you, man. Really, wow, Vinny. Yeah. Well, just as a bolster, what I had said earlier about this about his, his dying, is that. All he had to do was go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Or later, you know, when it was really bad, take him to the hospital. And there really was very little that Christiane can do. I mean, she dealt with him a whole married life, you know. He did not go to the doctor. She did recently. I, I don't know if it was a recent comment, but uh, it's on the official 
Kubrick page on Facebook that she said that, you know, because he often slept no more than four hours. And when he was younger, <clears throat> he wouldn't even sleep at all. Sometimes that uh, in, in some ways he actually lived longer than a lot of people because he was awake for more hours of the day than most people. Um, a nice thing to say. It really is. And it's, it's very touching. Um, you know, as, as close as I've ever gotten to, uh, uh, use the word touching in a different aspect was, you know, I, <clears throat> I got to do like a, a photo and location hunt, uh, for James last summer with Mark Lentz and a couple of friends. And, um, you know, we got to touch the, you know, the hospital where he was born, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> got to touch the, the lying in the former lying in hospital. Yeah. And, um, I had a really cool thing happen when I went to, uh, Clinton Avenue, the house where he was brought home as a baby. There was like a security gate out front and it, you know, it had a, a buzz, you know, sound as I just happened to approach to try and get some photos from the outside and the door opened and I just went in and took some photos and video of the courtyard. It was really strange because nobody came in or out of that gate for the 10 minutes or so I was in there. I came back to the car and, um, I told Mark what had just happened. And he said, I think Stanley let you in. And I, I came home and I, I messaged, uh, Stephen and James right away about that. Was, I was like giddy. It was like, it was weird, but it was cool. And James says, no, the caretaker let you in. It was Delbert Grady. <laughs> just like, Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I mean, the thing I think that was in everybody's mind too, and I think Kubrick would have appreciated this is that he should have lived at least 80 and he would have made one more movie. Next up is T. Gray Hill, a huge Kubrick fan, a member of Stanley Kubrick Appreciation Society, and a documentary filmmaker from Philadelphia. This is T. Gray Hill. Uh, I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, United States of America. March the 7th, 1999 is memorable to me because March the 6th is my birthday. And... That year, I think the 7th was on a Sunday, uh, or maybe it was a Saturday, and my birthday was on a Saturday or a Sunday. I should have looked it up. But uh, I had had some uh, family over the night before, and the next day, I was a little hungover, and I remember I was going through my um, uh, Stanley Kubrick, uh, Michael Cement book, as I almost used to do every day. And that evening, um, I was thinking about Kubrick. I, I, I was looking for any morsel of, of any type of uh, info on Eyes Wide Shut. And there was a, uh, uh, a website that would, would um, post updates, uh, unconfirmed, of course, but it was, I can't remember, it was some type of, oh, like UK something. Um, and I would religiously look at that site almost every day, if not every other day, to see if there's another morsel of info. Um, anyway, uh, back then I had dial-up uh, internet, and I had a home page that opened that whenever I logged on, which was several times a day, uh, would go to a news home screen. And that evening I... <laughs> I, uh, or that afternoon, I dialed it up as I did, you know, often, and the home screen came up and it said, Stanley Kubrick dead at age 70, and I was in shock. Um, it, it, Kubrick, uh, as a, well, I mean, this is a cliche, but as a filmmaker, he, to me, he's the most inspirational, uh, uh, filmmaker, to, to me anyway, and to many, uh, others. Um, but I not only loved his work, but how he lived his life. And I was devastated. Um, I was really devastated. And, um, I remember, um, uh, I called, um, Robert, um, Harris, who, um, uh, Bob Harris, who restored Spartacus on, uh, that Monday. Uh, he's a friend. He was a friend of a friend of my mom's and I'd, Met with Bob Harris, a very nice guy, and uh, 
I uh, I said uh, Kubrick died, and he had worked with Kubrick because he, he to to restore Spartacus, and he very coldly said, uh, you know, yeah, it's a shame, but he had a pretty bad diet. Well, I wasn't expecting that answer. I was expecting, yeah, it's all it's awful, whatever. But he matter-of-factly said that. I, I don't think he meant it out of any malice or or, or evil intent. I, maybe he was just doing that to soften it up for me because he knew I was a, a Kubrick uh, diehard. But anyway, um, 20 years ago, March the 7th, 1999, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget that image coming up on my screen telling me that Stanley Kubrick had died at age 70. And uh, I, I miss him. Um, and uh, the the wonderful thing about the Stanley Kubrick Appreciation Society, I've learned so much uh, that I didn't know and come into contact with so many amazing people that uh, knew Kubrick or diehards like me. And the information is just fantastic. It's my favorite group uh, on Facebook. So um, let us continue to love and respect and honor this man. And uh, may he definitely rest in peace. We spoke to longtime friend and score composer of five of Kubrick's films, Mr. Gerald Freed. We asked him, who is Stanley Kubrick? And here is his reply. That's a fair question, actually. I think he is someone with unusual gifts, and he knew it. Like, he... Uh, I think it was after the, the, the killing, uh, we had a pre-production meeting, or a post-production meeting, excuse me, and he walked around and said, this guy is going to make an excuse and he's not going to bring the work in on time. This guy is going to bring it in, but he's going to fuck it up. <laughs> and I think his insight, uh, when he asked me who was Sandy Cooper, I said, he is somebody with remarkable intuition as our internal, emotional, and intellectual mechanisms. He could see and feel into people's brains. That's, that's, that's the answer, my best answer to your question, who is Stanley Kubrick. That's a beautiful and answer. Introspection beyond the norm. Introspection beyond the norm. I love it. <laughs> Which is another thing, Stanley got things done. <laughs> <laughs> And this is it. He was kind of a nice guy. We were friends. Next, we will read to you a statement written by SCAS co-founder and all-around Kubrick enthusiast James Marinaccio. Well, I was sick that day. I had a very high fever. So much so, I was disoriented. All day, all I was doing was watching TV and napping. So I awoke and turned the TV on. The news announcer was mid-sentence. His films were dark. As disoriented as I was, my mind processed that half-sentence instantaneously, and I thought, shit, Kubrick died. That's all I needed, that half of a sentence, to know. So they immediately began showing clips to confirm my fears. I was angry and sad, and for a moment, I wondered if I was still asleep. But no, the master was gone. Being a Sunday, the TV news did not have the usual coverage. I channel surfed looking for more coverage, but it was sparse. It was a Sunday after all. The newsrooms were not at full capacity. Tomorrow, I figured, there will be more. But I awoke the next day, Monday, to hear nothing but reports about the death of Joe DiMaggio instead. Even in death, Stanley couldn't get his due, I thought. Well, that's the story of his life. He may be gone, but far from forgotten. And I have eyes wide shut to look forward to. That will be a fitting end. What more can happen after that? Little did I know. Next up is Mauro de Flaviano, a Kubrick fan, SCAS member, and documentary filmmaker from Italy who made the documentary series called Stanley and Us in the late 1990s. Hello, everybody. Stanley Kubrick is the best model for those who want to make movies. But many times we forget that there is a price to pay. 
I remembered the definition of Kubrick that Brian Ortiz gave me. He was a genius who worked hard to be a genius. I think he's absolutely right. Ciao. Next, we're going to hear from an interview clip with Christopher Nolan, courtesy of Yellow King Film Boy on YouTube. I mean, the thing about Kubrick is, I, I think he's, you know, arguably the greatest director who has ever worked. And part of the job of being a director is getting the right people around you and listening to them, not doing everything they say, but, you know, sifting through it, picking and choosing. And from everything that I've, I've read about the making of 2001 and indeed his other films and, and talking to people who knew him and worked with him, he was ruthless in his pursuit of information from people or ideas from people you know he would demand in his personal input. and professional life <laughs> i think so but professionally very very focused on the best solution to whatever narrative problem that he's looking at wherever that might come from uh and that's a, a, a huge part of, of being a filmmaker and he was one of the smartest filmmakers has ever been so he would certainly have availed himself of the input of all of the experts he put around him because of the subject matter of 2001, he was genuinely surrounded by a lot of uh, different experts in different fields. And they went out to the different companies like IBM and Pan Am and whoever and, and sort of said to them, OK, well, what are your ideas for where things will be in the future and what might those technologies be? And they tried to base everything on the film on, on those kind of ideas. And so if you think about that, there was there was a real demand on the people around them and the, the people they were bringing into the, to the fold to talk about the future, uh, to come up with the goods and come up with interesting things. Next, we will read to you a statement written by Gordon Stainforth. Gordon was assistant editor on both The Shining and Making The Shining. I was absolutely shocked. It was so unexpected. I had even had hopes of working for him again, and I had a message from him about five months earlier, very strangely worded, that, yes, we would work together again, in the fullness of time. That was his exact wording. I remember I stopped work, turned off my computer, and just cried and cried for about two hours, non-stop. I could never have guessed that his passing would have had such an impact on me. I suppose it was because I realized only too well the full scale of the loss, because he was, all in all, the greatest and most interesting person I've ever met or had the privilege of working with. Thank you, thank you. Now, gentlemen, we have a little special entertainment for you. <laughs> as it were. And as my wife always says, what is life without a little diversion? <laughs> and now, gentlemen, I give you our latest acquisition from the enemy. From Germany. ashore by the tide of war. Sag den Herrschaften guten Tag. Guten Tag. It's true, the little lady has her limitations. As a matter of fact, she has absolutely no talent at all. Except that is, well, maybe a little uh, natural talent. She can't tell any jokes, and she can't balance rubber balls on her little nose. But she can sing like a bird. She has a throat of gold. Come on, honey, sing us a song.
dass man ihm die Botschaft bracht, dass sein Herz Liebchen im Sterben lag. Da ließ er all sein Hab und Gut und eilte seinem Herzliebchen zu. Da ließ er all sein Hab und Gut und eilte seinem Herzliebchen zu. Ach, bitte, Mutter, bring ein Licht, mein Liebchen stirbt, ich seh es nicht. We're now going to hear from James B. Harris, who was the producer on three of Stanley's earliest films, The Killing, Paths of Glory, and Lolita. Mr. Harris is also one of Stanley's oldest friends, dating back to the 1950s in America, prior to Stanley moving to the United Kingdom permanently. We just touched upon uh, uh, briefly on uh, the fact that the 20th anniversary of his passing is coming up. And I wonder if uh, you'd be so gracious as to uh, share how you remember hearing about it or if there's any particular thoughts you had from that day when you heard the news. Yeah, well, I was, I was, it was a Sunday uh, that I heard. I guess it happened Saturday night. Uh, it was a Sunday. I had just finished playing tennis, and I got I got back to my my place, and 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 I and I, I got to take a a, a fax from Graham Stark, uh, who was he was a dear friend, and and uh, he he was Pete. He, you remember him from, from where Pete plays the French detective Clouseau. Uh, Pink Panther. He 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 played the Clouseau's partner. He Pink was Panther. also in Victoria, you know, as a waiter in Victoria, yeah. Vict- yep. Victor Victoria. Uh, anyway, he told me that Stanley had passed away. I couldn't believe it. So I immediately called Christiana and naturally she wasn't taking any calls. So I just you know, relayed my, 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 my feelings and, 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 uh, sympathies and so forth. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, you know, the next thing was, uh, when is the funeral going to take place? Because I, I, I'm certainly going to go to the funeral, which I did, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know he's he's buried in the backyard uh, of, of the compound. They had tented that area, so you look like you were actually inside, but you're actually outside. But there's a big tent that they put up to to hold the service, and sure. then they they brought the ca- casket in and they buried the casket. You know they they had a cruise there and 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 Nicole and, and they had uh, you know the executives from Warner Brothers and. You know, uh, it was it was sad. You know, the, the the thing was after after the funeral took after the burial took place. You know, and all of the the speeches and the and the, the kids with the certain kids, the grandkids, the the, the musical and the and Anya sang and so forth. Uh, we we go back into the main house for for refreshments and things, and I had left my raincoat in the. Uh, in uh, in the tent area where they're where they're burying Stanley, and uh, 
So when I go back to get my raincoat, there's nobody in there but a bunch of, I guess you'd call them grave diggers, you know. Mm-hmm. They, they were they were putting the casket in and, and dumping all of it. And, you know, I, I've said this once in an interview. I think I did it with uh, uh, Peter Bogdanovich, who did a, a piece on Stanley. Uh, the thought of, of this is what it's come to, you know, of... Going all the way back to the to the fifties when in the fifties when we met, going through all of those, those uh, ups and downs and, and everything, and, and and all the dreams and, and and all his accomplishments. And what does it come down to? It comes down to a bunch of guys that look like dress extras pouring dirt over my buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as a, and, and and of all places, you know, where New York is really, in all places in England, mm-hmm. shit, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing yeah. nothing personal. No, I get it. <laughs> you I know, but it. It, it, it's not right. It's not right. He yeah. should he should be you know, we should still be making movies and and you know, it, it just gives you a lesson in life that that all your wishes and all your dreams and everything, we're all gonna die and it's all gonna be, you know, as 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 Bert Lancaster said in nineteen hundred. Do you remember that picture Bertolucci did? Yeah, great picture. Uh, yeah. Bert, Bert Lancaster, it, everything turns to shit, you know. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I just couldn't help to get this terrible feeling as I watched these guys uh, pouring the, the the dirt over over the grave. Uh, Jesus. Anyway, I went back. They were doing a documentary on Stanley. Jan, you know, his brother-in-law was doing it, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, he, he uh, so I, I I I was doing a thing with Christiana in the backyard, where he's buried, you know. And mm-hmm. I asked Christiana, I said, "What what are you going to do if you leave this place? You know, if you if you ever move." And she said, "I'm never going to move. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just that's, that's this that. is it. And, that's yeah. that. Yep. And, and Anya, Anya, Anya's buried there. I, mm-hmm. I understand Anya's buried there as well." Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but you know, I lost track of Stanley uh, on a, from a day-to-day basis that we originally had, you know, to a once-in-a-while phone call and a visit and so forth. Uh, and then you hear stories, and, and 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 I know that all his relationships are not like ours because ours was based on on day and night, you know, for a long, you know, a lot of movies. Three, three movies, and, and, and I have to say, it's strange love. Even though I didn't take credit on the picture, uh, I was involved, you know, very much in, in the development of that. Uh, and yet, his relationships mostly are, are picture to picture. You know, the, there's nobody except Christiana, you mm-hmm. know, who was with him the way I was. Uh, and I hear stories that 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 uh, you know about his his. Uh, uh, you know, uh, staying on takes forever. And people complaining about this or that, and, uh, and, and you know, and knowing Stanley was so disciplined when we worked that, that you wonder what happened. You know, I mean, I, you know, I always believe that that what he's doing is he's taking advantage of his success. And 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 why shouldn't he? You know, if if the people putting up the bunny are willing to, uh, to, to, he's not stealing, he's not cheating them, he's not, mm-hmm. he, 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 you know, they, they can say no, but, you know, but they don't, they say yes, you know, mm. they come to see, <laughs> they fly over from Warner Brothers to read the script, <laughs> to read his script, because he won't, <laughs> he won't send the script to them, <laughs> I mean, and they do it, and, and they, so, you know why? Why interpret that as as being you know a little quirky? You know, in that the, the whole world sends their scripts out, but you know, would you call that paranoid? He doesn't want anybody reading it, and he's afraid if he parts with the script, people will read it. So they make them come to him where he can you know have complete control over who sees the script. Uh, and somebody who flies six thousand miles, I mean, I, I mean, I got to congratulate him on pulling off a stunt like that. I mean, it's just. I I think it's terrific. Next, we're going to read you a statement written by a great Kubrick fan and member of SCAS, Maria, from Mexico City. 
There is something about Kubrick movies that I just can't find anywhere else. First is that electric feeling of fear that is always present, this sense of danger that lies in the very story that Kubrick is telling and the way he presents it. And also the deeper questions that arise that have to do with human nature, not with the characters. There is also the certainty that Kubrick respects the viewer and will not trick him into believing something that is not there. He will create the most amazing images and will use the camera as a painter uses his brushes and colors, but again, it's out of respect for the viewer and the story, never for his ego. His movies are not about him. His movies are because art needs to be. And by that, he becomes a master. We're now going to hear from our good friend, Mr. Anthony Adler, Kubrick enthusiast and SCAS member from London, England. Hi, everyone. In some ways, not much has changed over the last 20 years. Kubrick's films have comfortably survived the intervening period. Indeed, many of his themes echo ever louder in these uncertain times. In other ways, though, we can only shake our heads wistfully at how Stanley might have interpreted some of the seismic events of the 21st century. Regardless, his legacy leaves a long shadow, but he has many torchbearers, and I believe he always will. For many of us, Kubrick's life and work has inspired us and the value in believing in oneself, in having a vision and not allowing any obstacle to get in the way of it. Of course, in his case, the results are extraordinary, but for us mere mortals... Having a love for our craft and a determination to give all of oneself are lessons I think we can all appreciate. Rest well, Stanley. Amidst the darkness, you supplied much light. Next, we're going to hear clips from a recent interview from film director and producer Norman Jewison, courtesy of the AFI YouTube channel. I think Kubrick was destined to leave America and make films that were very American in concept, but were about the world. I think he didn't want to make films about America as much as he wanted to make films that would affect everyone on the planet, which meant he had to go for even larger themes. Clockwork Orange is a glimpse into the future of behavior which is a result of a eroded society that has influenced how many films? I mean, every film that Kubrick made um, from the time he went to Europe are really extremely powerful. Kubrick had ideas about where the world was going, and he wanted to express them in film. And I just think when you analyze Stanley Kubrick's films, he is probably one of the great masters that this country ever produced. Next, we will read to you a statement written by Kubrick fan and SCAS member Ollie Edwards from Stratford-upon-Avon, England. Stanley. Your films have provided me with so much inspiration and have often left me in awe. An awe that only grows no matter how many times I video your films. I will never forget the sadness I felt at your passing, which occurred right in the middle of a college course I was studying that you were the inspiration behind me taking. You've left behind a legacy that not many others could even come close to matching. As Jack Nicholson once said, everyone pretty much acknowledges that you're the man. You still are, and most likely will be, into the foreseeable future. Here's to you, Stan. We spoke once again to Kubrick expert and biographer Vincent Labrudo. Can you tell us, in your own words, who is Stanley Kubrick? Well, I mean, that, that's a question that I couldn't have answered before researching and, and, and writing the book. I mean, one of the things, and I think 
it was more important back in the day to say this than, than now, because now I think everybody realizes it. But I think back in the day, he was such a myth to people that no one realized he was a real living man. So I would put that in the equation. Unquestionably, unquestionably, a cinematic genius. A meticulous man with everything that he did. A family man. The word I used earlier, a showman, which nobody thinks of him as. Mm. Someone who has a deep private life and... Um, and he's a public artist at the same time. I think, you know, how do you talk about somebody who's so unique? And, you know, you watch his films, and, and you try, if you try to think about it, usually you just get carried into them, about what he, um, what makes him think, as a, what makes him tick as a, as, a, as a filmmaker. And... I don't think that's as important as the process, which, you know, I came about uh, while, while doing the, the, the book, which is that he thinks in genres, The Shining, he, I think he started with the idea of a horror film, a war film. It could be anything. It could be something that just, like all of us, get, get inspired to, to do something. But what he did with that and, and who, he, who he is, who he was is that he slowly built it, and he had as much time as he wanted. He had a studio that said, hey, it's like an honor to have this guy here and uh, let him do what he's going to do. Mm -hmm. And perfection on just about any level, anything I think you could be critical about, and critics have been critical about a lot of things, are things that, 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 um, that are deliberate and are the way that, that, that he saw them. I think also... Who is Stanley Kubrick is something, you know, we talked we talk a little bit about um, Eyes Wide Shut and, and sex, and I think he had a, like all of us, had a fantasy life that I think, you know, that was in there, and I think dark things were in there, dark parts of life. Mm -hmm. And that made him a very interesting person to make, to make movies. He didn't act on any of those others. Right. Um, the sex part in, in, in Eyes Wide Shut he did in, in a pretty openly way. But I yeah. think, you think that where he came from, and you guys all saw, you know, all the, the apartments and all the homes where he lived from, and you look where he finished, you know, in England. Mm -hmm. Incredible Cooper Castle estate. And the fact that People are writing books at the books of the books about him. It's just, uh, and that you turn on, I mean, Harry is sick of hearing from me, Kubrick shot, Kubrick shot, Kubrick shot. <laughs> you know, it's everywhere. I mean, it seemed to, it started, I think, in like late 90s or something, where, you know, people picked it up, and then some people are uh, getting it from someone else, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, and then it, uh, I guess I'm going to close with that same idea that I did when I was asked, you know, I was called up and asked, you know, the New York Post, how could you sum him up? And I said, you know, he was Beethoven and Picasso. I mean, you listed the people. Right. So that's what he's going to be. 500 years from now, whether he'll be taught, I don't know. Whether the films will be shown, I don't know. But it will be in the history books, and it'll be something where kids will say, oh, Stanley Kubrick, he was a great artist, great, great filmmaker, great. We're now going to hear from Robert Varga, a Kubrick enthusiast and SCAS member from Melbourne, Australia. What can you say about Stanley Kubrick, the man and the legend? He certainly changed cinema forever, and it's impossible to have a deep conversation about film without mentioning some of his amazing works and achievements. And let's not get into all the anecdotes. There will certainly never be another like Stanley, and we are so much the poorer for it and his passing. Thank you. This is Robert F.J. Varga. Next, we will hear a recent interview from film director and producer Paul Thomas Anderson, courtesy of the YouTube channel 
Flying Brian. Next question. Hi, Paul. I'd like to know more about your encounter with Stanley Kubrick on the set of Eyes Wide Shut, because your last couple of films seem to be heavily influ- influenced by Kubrick. Um, yeah. Well, let me just say that I don't think there's anybody that hasn't been influenced by Stanley Kubrick. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I can't speak for other people. I can't speak for other directors, but it feels like, you know, what he did was kind of a, you know, a watermark for all of us just to say, like, this is how you should sort of treat what you do and this is how you should address it with a kind of attention compassion and I yeah I was lucky enough to meet him and it was a great privilege great honor and everything else and I think I've said this before it's no big no big mystery but it was like he was nice to me when he knew that I directed Boogie Nights but he was much nicer to me when he knew that I wrote it like it was like there was a difference there was a difference between being a kind of a person who directed something and somebody who wrote and directed something which is pretty cool that kind of stuck around and yeah I count myself pretty lucky to to have been there and that's a, that really a result of going to meet Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman when they were making that film next we will read to you a statement written by Kubrick fan and SCAS member Alex Young from London, Ontario, Canada Kubrick is to film what Beethoven is to music powerful everlasting and insightful. There's no replacing him. He's endlessly imitated, but equaled by none, which inspires every artist to craft a voice of their own. He never made classic movies. He made classical movies about the fundamental elements of cinema, which are sound and motion, along with how powerful the two can be when married together. We're now going to hear from Brian Gregory, a Kubrick enthusiast and SCAS member from Harrow in the United Kingdom. The closest I ever got to meeting anyone in association with Stanley Kubrick was when I met Jan Harlan in 2015 for a film festival. I had the pleasure of driving him up there and then going back to the Harlan residence in St Albans in the evening to the early hours. Um, very strange for me because Kubrick had spent many evenings there and had even spent a few evenings there with uh, Steven Spielberg uh, discussing The Shining Um, and also got to hold the mask that Nicole Kidman has in Eyes Wide Shut on the pillow next to her in the famous scene and it was like almost like a religious experience for me because Kubrick meant well means still so much and has led to me making my own films and photography as well so that's my little anecdote and contribution thanks next up we're going to hear steven spielberg speaking at the la county museum of art in 2012 this clip comes courtesy of the youtube channel super pop vip Stanley um, has inspired and provoked more critical analysis probably than any filmmaker who has ever lived. Um, His films all leave us wanting more, and that may be the only director I know, he may be the only director I know, who denies you the right to leave in the middle of one of his films. Uh, If you just try flipping through the channels, you land on any one of Stanley's movies, I defy you to turn to the World Series. Final game, seventh game. I defy you to do that. You know, or you'll be going back and forth, back and forth, even though you've seen the movie of Stanley's about ten times. Um, I think it's, it's kind of like... Um, it's, it's not possible, I don't think, to um, understand Stanley without understanding something else, and that is that we may have seen A Clockwork Orange 30 times, but as, as we get older and as we mature and grow wiser... We can revisit A Clockwork Orange, and we can, 10 years later, embrace concepts we couldn't embrace 10 years ago that Stanley uh, uh, intended us to receive at different stages of 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 our lives. Kubrick's the only director whose movies are endlessly cathartic. Next, we're going to hear a statement written by Kubrick fan and SCAS member 
Max Rendon from McAllen, Texas. I was 17 when I saw 2001, A Space Odyssey, in Cinerama at the Hollywood Pantages, and I was so blown away, I saw it six times with different friends and once alone. I was so impressed by Kubrick's vision, and I became an ardent fan. I saw all subsequent films at their opening nights, A Clockwork Orange, Barry Lyndon, The Shining, Full Metal Jacket, and Eyes Wide Shut. As a plain air painter, my first attraction was to Kubrick's use of color, especially his use of primary and secondary colors. Each frame of his films were like paintings, the color contributing to the mood and emotion of the scene. Then there was the detail. I guess I'm most attracted to his work because of his obsessive care he took with the smallest of details. His films transport you into a universe of his creation. Every item within the frame has been painstakingly selected by Kubrick. The third and most prominent component is his ability to elicit such poignant performances from his actors. There's almost a theatricality to the acting in Kubrick films, not realistic in the traditional sense, much more mannered, and yet the delivery is natural and believable in the context of the story. From 17 years old on, I was always aware and anticipating the release of a new Kubrick film. During the years, I've watched his earlier films and can say without hesitation that I love each of his films, some more than others, but all of his films share this one quality that immediately makes you aware it's a Kubrick film. These components of color, detail in set design, and directing his actors come together in all Kubrick films in a manner no other filmmaker has been able to capture. I now spend a lot of leisure time reading about Kubrick as a person and occasionally watch interviews with Kubrick or others that have worked with him or knew him. What a fascinating person he was, and I just find it immensely intriguing to gain insight into his life. What a unique artist and man. From what I've garnered, a thoughtful and detail-oriented personality coupled with a quirky sense of humor and with just a tad of obsessive-compulsive behavior. I wish he was still around to share his incredible talent and vision that were his films. Now we're going to hear some thoughts from Leon Vitali, Stanley Kubrick's longtime assistant and friend. Now you just well, mentioned that the last thing that you 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 heard from Stan was I, I hate to ask a deeply personal question, but if, it, mm -hmm. if it's okay, like, do you recall the last time you spoke? Was that actually yeah, the last conversation you had? The, the last conversation I had was I was parked in a supermarket car park on a Saturday afternoon, trying to cram in my you know my shopping, which was you know the same every week. I'd. I'd go, you know, when I had a, like an hour, I'd go and do a shopping for the week, you know, and uh, and then what I would do is go home, take everything out of the fridge that I bought the week before and put everything I just bought, which was the same as what was in the fridge. And, you know, but I, I ended up never touching it because I was never home. <laughs> we did. <laughs> but anyway, I was, I, I'd actually got this a couple of hours on the Saturday afternoon and I just parked in this car park in, in the supermarket and my phone went and uh, for two hours I was standing on the sideboard of, of my car and just talking to him and we, because he wanted me um, to do this you know the, the actual script you know version of what was shot you know of Eyes Wide Shut right. you know you know so you know I would have put in you know you know, pen left and this and that and scene with this and whatever it is and we stop outside a red door, all those kind of descriptions that a, a script has in it, you know, when you read it, final copy or whatever it is. You know. right, right. And we talked about all that. We talked we talked a lot about, you know, um, how the yeah how the film was shaping up and and you know he was feeling very very happy about it and what have you mm. and I was going to go in the next Sunday morning that's why he was talking to me because I was going to go in the next Sunday morning and actually start that work you know 
translating you know the script into into a book you know a script and um and like i said you know we were on the phone for a, for a couple of hours and then just as i was going to go in uh, the next uh, sunday the, the day after and that's when i i got a phone call to say that uh you know something had happened and uh, you know and i should you know uh, maybe not delay and wait a little while before i came which i and put the phone mm-hmm. down, immediately ordered a cab <laughs> and mm-hmm. went up there. And when I saw, you know, I saw the ambulance out there in front of the house and some police, you know, two, three police cars. I think. Uh, and and then I I kind of, I just understood exactly what had happened, you know. And um, Do you remember and, the last thing you said to him and vice versa? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was when uh, you know I we decided I would, would go. I would go in at uh, two o'clock on Sunday afternoon, and it was just uh, it was just like okay, I'll I'll see you then. Get, sit down, and just sort of go through it a, a little more, and, and we can get you on your way. And you know, and I said okay, but the thing was, you know, you, you never. You, of course, there was no yeah. such there, right. there was no such thing as a last call from Stanley Cooper right, right. because he could talk to you, and thirty seconds later he'd be ringing you again. <laughs> well, I forgot to ask you. That <laughs> 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 no, was absolutely true. I can't tell. Um, um, so him. you know that, that's how it is. That's how it all that kind of evolved and, and was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And by law, you see, this is the other thing. By law, which seems a weird thing to me. But it was by law; they had to release it uh, officially as a as a press release, you know, to Reuters by four o'clock in the afternoon on oh, Sunday boy. afternoon, which meant I had to sort of scramble and find out where Tom was and where Nicole was, so I could mm-hmm. get in touch with them before they heard the news in another way. You oh know? boy! And I found Tom in Australia and Nicole in New York, and I I would have thought it'd been the other way around, wouldn't you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> Their native territories. Oh yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So it was, you know, and then I, I can honestly just... say I was I was on auto, I was on auto mode from then until October when I kicked out the last print from the lab, you know, for, for Turkey, which was the last release date uh, we had for the film. Uh, and, you know, it never really hit me until then, you know, that's yeah. when it hit me. And that's yeah. that's when I, first time in my life, I went on an antidepressant <laughs> because yeah. I was, because I was depressed, not because I thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah. My name is Mark Lentz. I'm just a regular old Kubrick fan. I used to say that I'm not a big Kubrick fan, but what I lack in size, I make up for in ferocity. I remember on that day, I was home watching basketball on TV, doing my rowing machine to help my team win. I was watching the game, but I noticed this subtitle that went across the bottom of the screen. And afterwards, I got the idea that I had seen the word Kubrick in it. So then I thought, well, what would Kubrick be doing in one of those subtitles? Because they hardly ever run them unless it's something big. And I started getting a really bad feeling. And I stopped rowing and I was just sitting there. And there was a timeout in the game. Right away, the special report music came on and a news announcer said, Filmmaker Stanley Kubrick has died. Details after the game. And that was it. I rolled off the rowing machine and I lay face down on the carpet. I never can think anything at those kinds of times, except maybe curse words. I was instantly really sad, but honestly not so much about Kubrick himself because I hardly knew anything about him. Uh, None of us fans did. But it was about the movies that meant so much to me. I was such a Kubrick movie fan since I had become an adult. I did know he was working on Eyes Wide Shut, but if he hadn't finished the editing, then 
it wouldn't really be a Kubrick movie. It felt very unfair, unjust, not right. So yeah, just uh, I was really, really bitter for a long time after. Of course, then the uh, Raphael book came out. I spent a whole day sitting in Central Park reading that, thinking that I would finally get to know something about Stanley Kubrick, the real human being. That was uh, <laughs> that was a laugh and a half. It was not the consolation I was looking for, nor were the reviews of Eyes Wide Shut. The critics were getting the last word. And the word was, he had lost his touch. His last movie was a flop. So, bummer. <laughs> but on the bright side, it wasn't the end at all. In fact, right now, I feel like we're still at the very beginning of all things Kubrick. We're in it for the long run, and by long run, for the rest of our lives and for generations to come. And I get little shivers when I say that because it's the truth. So, Stanley, thank you so much. Thursday, April 7th, 2019. 20 years. We're going to leave you now with a segment from a conversation we were fortunate enough to have with late, great Pablo Ferro, who worked on Dr. Strangelove and A Clockwork Orange with Stanley. We'd like to thank Pablo, his daughter Joy Ferro Moore, and of course, to the great Vera Lynn, who's still dancing and out there somewhere, still singing. We'll meet again. Thank you, Pablo, for everything. You know, it's wonderful. I had a great time. Great. Oh, that's so great. Let's do it again. That sounds good. We'll do it again. Sounds good. How about we leave? How about we leave with Pablo? Sing with me. We'll meet again. Don't know where. Can you sing with me, Pablo? Don't know where. Don't know where. We'll Sing it, again. Pablo. Meet again. Meet again. On a sunny day. Keep smiling through. Just like you. Always do. <laughs> Till the blue skies. Oh, you're doing wonderful. He loves that song. He forgets the lyrics. <laughs> I, I, I do too. It's been so, a while. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while. That was sweet. That was sweet. We'll meet okay. again. We'll meet again. We'll meet again. Some sunny day. They'll be happy to know that as you saw me go, I was singing this song. We again don't know where don't know when but I know we'll meet again some sunny day we'll meet again don't know where don't know where Just like you always do Till the blue skies drive the dark clouds far away So will you please say hello To the folks that I know Tell them I won't be long They'll be happy to know 
Sad as you saw me go, I was singing this song.